1: might not be glad that you did it.
0: There was an idea. To bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something. That we never could. Welcome to Furious Finest, a podcast about Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by someone different today. It's not Chris. It's Dr. D. Dylan, an Avenger-level producer of the podcast. How are you doing today, Dylan?
1: To say I'm doing amazing would be an understatement. I'm a long-time caller. I should say I'm a long-time listener. First-time caller? There it is. What can I say? I'm a, I'm a master with words.
0: There it is. It's the doctor in your name. So, Dylan... Your name, there's a lot of D's going on, you know? Let's, let's just get all that out of the way. You're Dr. D. Your name's Dylan. Your last name also starts with D.
1: It sure does.
0: So we're just going to call you, you know, Double D, Dr. D, Dylan. But it also turns out your favorite character in all of Marvel revolve around the words DD.
1: Absolutely. I mean, anybody in the Discord that's seen me even talk about anything, somehow Daredevil always seems to come up. So I'd imagine most people could just assume that he's my favorite superhero, but I'm here to confirm it. I specifically came on here just to say that. Where's the exit? Where do I Do I leave now?
0: Uh, You could. Yeah, we could end with that. It'd be the shortest episode of the podcast ever. (laughs) (laughs) We made 100 episodes in, guys. We had a good run. We had a good run, but that's it.
1: I'm here to say Daredevil's the best character in Marvel, and I'm just going to drop the mic. All right. I'll see you guys later.
0: Matt Murdock is an incredible character and... I respect and love him. I mean truly. I mean his his law-abiding good nature with his uh, lure to the dark side. That that conflict. I don't know. It just it, it gets me. It gets me in a certain way.
1: I've also heard he's a really good lawyer.
0: I've heard that too. <laughs> just balancing that out is is pretty tough. But Dylan, you're on today for a special reason and part of it does revolve around Daredevil, but that should come as no surprise anyone's an Asgardian or Avenger patron of the podcast because they've heard the After Dark where you came on after dark and we talked about the secret wars two league
1: i would have to say that if you're going to call it after dark we should call it the after after dark because man it was late <laughs> when we finished that sucker we had a great game and then we just had like some amazing conversation and it just had an absolute blast
0: we got to talk about that game now i guess briefly so fury's finest secret wars season two is over and it ended up being Dylan and myself in the finals. We had a criminal versus convocation matchup in the finals, but it was really fun, Dylan. I mean, we, you know, at the end of the day, you and I both played nine games of MCP over the league. That's price of mission alone. Worth it.
1: Absolutely. I was trying to get a little worried near the end because I was running out of fingers. to Keep track but I th- it ended That's up true. a nice nice tight bow at the end
0: yeah and we've got to give a shout out to patrick like we always do because he ran this league it was a great time patrick and i are always trying to tweak the league and make it better over time so the next league will be even better but basically you and i had a showdown in the finals and it was cool because pre the knockout bracket you were not actually playing criminals you were playing guardians
1: I was. Uh, most of my time was spent drooling, thinking about the two new characters that were coming out. Obviously, we're going to talk about one of them today. I imagine right. I was more excited about Electra. You know, obviously, the welcoming of her has been a little lukewarm, but I'm here to say that she can get work done, and me being here proves it because I got second place in the whole league.
0: That's right, and you did it with Elektra all the way, so that's that's a very big deal. Now you played. Guardians in the first five games of the, the cut. But, you know, the irony of that is when you switch to criminals with Electra, you won even more games, clearly, because you worked your way all the way to the top and you and I played in the final game. And we had a knockdown, dragout fight on the Gamma Shelters, like you do with that Scroll Agent.
1: That dirty, dirty scroll. Uh, I can truthfully say, I mean, after thinking about that game, I feel like it was more dragging than it was like knockout because it was mostly just us rolling bad dice at each other until the game ended.
0: Yeah, rolling bad dice. And then on top of that, like it was a lot of us, you know, weirdly making decisions sometimes to not do the aggressive plays, you know, be super safe and see where it happens because it is gamma. You got to be safe with your gamma shelters. And yeah, the game ended and i did beat the criminals with convocation but you gave me a hard running and also i was watching a lecture the whole time because i did not want to give her power and i did not want to enable her to just impale away
1: so I felt the same way looking at Hulk, standing on my objective. So are you trying to tell me that Electra is a three, or I'm sorry, a four threat Hulk? Is that what you're saying?
0: Potentially, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, she has no displacement. That's that's her biggest probably difficulty, let's be honest. But yeah, damage output wise, I think she is. She can be on a level with Hulk, especially when Hulk's not rolling dice.
1: That's very true. Uh, if you play the... If you play your cards right, you can 100% get 13 dice on that impale. Pretty nasty.
0: Yeah, I think she's just a super turned up to 11 version of Gamora. You know, I find that very interesting. So I think people need to explore more. And something Dylan and I are going to do on, you know, the After Dark episode where we explore this. So talking about our After Dark episode, Dylan, you and I go into great detail about your entire run to the Furious Find Secret Wars League. And we also go through all your thoughts on Elektra, how to play her. And why you're probably sleeping on her at home, because if anything, this is a beautiful sculpt. And one of my favorite characters of all time, Raphael, would not be here without Electra.
1: That's very true. Uh, I would say if you want to sleep on Electra, I brought her to a local event and her wrist immediately snapped. So I probably would say don't lay on her. Maybe right. just put her on the bedside, you know, put her on the nightstand. Just let her stay there.
0: Be super nice to that model. Yeah.
1: She's a ninja after all. She should be like on a raft or somewhere staring at you.
0: That's right. But <laughs> man, <laughs> speaking of ninjas, we got a lot of talk today about ninjas because I, I, the ninjas were a big part of your play to getting through the league as well. And they're going to be a theme of today's conversation. But yeah, if you want to hear more of Dylan and I's thoughts on our league, some of the games we played, and of course, our final match. Check out that newest episode of After Dark on the Furious Finest Patreon for the Asgardian and Avenger level patrons. But Dylan, we've got a lot to talk about today. And before we get into our episode, we got a couple important things to talk about. And the first thing is, speaking of the Furious Finest patron discord, the hobby channel in there has blown up a lot. And that makes me very happy. It's one of those things where, you know, more people hobbying, Begats more hobbying, right? That's the type of way to look at absolutely. it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not even so much like aggressive accountability. It's just, it's just being in a community like that and seeing it kind of keeps your mind ever present and kind of getting you to finish your projects. And with all that said, like we got a we got a thriving community there with great painters and great creativity. And Dylan is one of these painters we're talking about. Dylan proposed this idea to basically accelerate hobby painting. To a different level that's not even that crazy, but it's more just about, we're talking about that accountability and the fun of it. So Dylan came to me with an idea for a contest. And I think, Dylan, we're just going to talk about it right now.
1: We might might as well. So... Let's set the scene. So obviously painting is very necessary in this hobby for sure. Yep. There's some people that like the painting. There's some people that prefer the gaming. But I'm all about rewarding rewarding the hobbying aspect of it, even if it's okay. not – You know, obviously some there's people of all varying levels, right? So my goal is to reward people of all levels because we never want to just focus on the people at the top of the game. We already know they're good painters, right? Right. Right. And the people at the lower part of it they need the opportunity to get to that point. So why not give them, you know, a little little kick in the pants? You know, sure why not. Sure. So the painting gallery with no name. That's what it's called. So the painting gallery
0: with no name. First of all, I love the name. And second of all, you talked about rewarding all levels of painting and just participation. So how do we get into rewarding just participation and, you know, judging?
1: So Obviously when it comes to hobbying, there's lots of different considerations, right, that can limit people's ability to do it. So obviously the couple things we always gotta think about is time, right, which is a big commitment. Uh and then there's the whole like skill level. Obviously painting in general is always going to be better than no painting at all. So right. my whole goal is to just get people to submit, but they don't even have to necessarily think that they're going to have the best painted thing, even though I bet some people would be really surprised when they actually try. That's true. So that's really my the whole goal of this is like that that alone is a good reward for the people that don't paint that often that don't think they're good is that they enter this with the hope of getting something and they already got a prize. They got a painted model out of it. <laughs> I mean true. that alone is a reward, right? So my big goal here is that the person that paints the best model, they're going to get a reward, right? All the prizes are going to be fairly small. Again, this is just purely to instigate people to actually start painting. Yeah. So the winner will get something. They'll probably get a the first choice of the awards that I have available. Or, or okay. I should say the rewards available. And then after that, I'll randomly draw two of the participants That are in the contest as long as they give me a submission and they follow all the very simple rules, at which point I'll let whoever gets the first draw pick which prize out of the the pool I have. And then obviously the same thing for the second one.
0: Perfect. Yeah. And with the podcast and with the Patreon in particular, I want to help support some of these prizes as well. So as you just said, Dylan, like it's going to vary depending on the season and size of prizes but like there will be consistent prizes and i want to you know if this really takes off maybe ramp those up as as they go you know
1: obviously it'd be amazing to see a reward scale based on the amount of people that at least you know put in submissions uh obviously very open to doing that in the future i was actually even amazed at how many people wanted to do it this time i was expecting like 10 right we got 14 people which is awesome right And And that's even even that's not even. Yeah, we haven't even started yet. And that's not even including the people that are going to jump in late. So that's super easy. I'm not worried about that.
0: We're about to make the official announcement right now. (laughs) You know, it's one of those things like the only people that know about it so far are just the Fury's finest patrons on the patron discord. So
1: this is hopefully going to be a kick in the butt for people to join the Patreon, where the real conversations are happening let's just say that it's awesome in there.
0: Very good. I agree completely. And yeah, this is the type of thing that the Patreon enables like you're talking about. So talking about this competition, Dylan, so we talked about, you're going to choose the best painter of a quarter, and then you're going to pick two random participants, which I think is fantastic. So moving on from that, let's talk about the quarters themselves and the judging and the submissions.
1: So the judging is going to be up to the people, right? This is democracy. Obviously, uh, Fury believes in democracy. So we got to follow that. We got to follow that example. So what that means is that I'm going to get all of the submissions. So the submissions are going to be, you have to take a picture of your model before it's done. Now, I'm not talking. It has to be, you know, you don't have to pull this sucker right out of the box. I understand that you hear this podcast. You're like, oh, but I was already painting. It's fine. Don't worry. All you got to do is take a picture of the model. As long as it's not completely done you're fine. You got some primer on it, that's fine. You got a couple of base coats, that's fine. But okay. if, you know, all you had to do is a couple of glazes before it's done. Okay. Take the opportunity to paint another model, right? So, all you got to do is take a picture of it before it's done. Then you take four pictures that you're going to send to me. So, I'll obviously give my email for this in the Discord and once you send these mo- once you send all these to me, once it reaches the end date, I'm going to post them all in the Discord and in which case everybody's going to vote on whatever their favorite model is. Whoever wins that vote will be the winner. And then after that, I'm going to put all the names that voted other than the winner. Obviously, that would be real field pads right there. And those two, and then two more people from those names are going to be drawn, and then they'll get the prizes, in which case we might announce them on the podcast, which I think would yeah. be very fun. Definitely. And give those people some you know, some of the limelight.
0: Absolutely. So we're going to have three winners every quarter. And I guess now is a good time to talk about what the quarters is going to look like, what, the, what are they going to be named, and how it's going to work.
1: May 1st is this quarter is when we're going to start the technical spring quarter and then it's going to end on july 4th so the american day of independence i know a lot of listeners aren't american so that might not make total sense to everybody but uh, we're all going to celebrate with painting Uh, (laughs) at which point (laughs) we're going to pick a new theme so the new theme will dictate what model you paint for the next one and then so on and so forth the winner of the previous painting gallery with no name will be the main contributor to whatever the new theme is so if there's something you've really been wanting to try or whatever i'll work with you and we'll figure out a really good theme that everybody can enjoy
0: okay very cool so with that said we have the may 1st to july 4th quarter starting right now which you and i have dubbed the spring quarter even though it's you know it's going into summer but you know the next one will be summer into fall essentially so with that said what is the theme of this first quarter
1: so every list needs something you need a leader so we're starting with affiliation leaders. Everybody's got affiliation leaders laying around. I mean, heck, you get two of it's them true. in the in the core box. So, bam! Even new people, you got more than you got more of them than you know what to do with. So, boom! I know you got one laying around. Pull that sucker out. Get them painted.
0: That's it. So all you have to do is paint affiliation leader. So someone with a affiliation leadership on their card, right?
1: Or if you're real savvy and you know how this game works, you can also pick a convocation member. They're technically all leaders. True. So that's kinda of cheating, but I think they're all really amazing sculpts, so I'm gonna let it happen.
0: Yeah, and there's obviously some ones that become leader most of the time that you can kinda of lean that way and it's it's pretty obvious if we're judging and you're sending us a Supreme Strange that's excellently painted, it's obvious that's could be your primary leader, right, for your convocation team in a lot of cases, maybe so. And also this also includes Dormammu, so I'm hyped.
1: Yeah, I imagine anybody that throws in a Dormammu is probably gonna get at least a vote for taking the time to paint that guy. He's huge.
0: He's huge. And it's an impressive model of paint. So yeah, this is our first, quarter of this league. I'm really excited about this spring quarter, Dylan, and like people just getting more affiliation leaders painted because as we know, they're the most important models to have painted in the game, in my opinion, and just have ready to go. And so any final thoughts about just like what people need to do to, you know, complete models fully and then the picture process.
1: So the best way to do it is take your pre-picture. Obviously you can do that wherever that can be even a terrible picture, but when you actually take your four pictures that you want to send, what I'd recommend is you just take lots of pictures, just take them, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, maybe this isn't the best one. Just keep taking pictures. Because yep. once you throw those guys on your computer, you're going to be like, okay, well, that looks pretty good, a lot better than what you were thinking. So just take as many pictures as you possibly want. Right. But only send me the four. And please put your name on them. So rename them your first name, something last name, one, two, three, and four, or something like that, so that I know who to give prizes to. Uh, sure. Otherwise, I don't know how to, I don't know if JPEG56663 deserves a prize. I've, I'm not a big fan of his work.
0: Sure. Wow. Well. You never know. I mean, this could, that could be the best paint job, of course. You know, <laughs> that's the situation we might be in. But yeah, yeah absolutely put your name and all the files and send these four pictures that you deem the best. Neil and I have talked, you know, off mic and on mic in a lot of ways. And I, you know, I think just your model being completed and the base being painted and getting a final picture, I mean, that's really all you need to do. That's That's really it. it. Now, if you want to take that one step further, than having a painted model and a painted base, you know that final matte seal on it, whatever. Like, you want to go more steps. Like, if you want to add different basing, you want to add a different color scheme. You do some green stuff work, whatever it is. You know, wow us. You know, send it to us because I'm really excited about this. Contest Dylan and I'm hoping to help you with a lot of the judging as well. And um I'm intending to not submit anything in this contest because I want to be more of a facilitator and a judge, you know, to help this be as fun as possible, I hope.
1: I have no doubt in my mind it's gonna be amazing. I mean I'm I'm Super jazzed! Can't wait to see what people submit.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think we're gonna have some really fun prizes planned in the future. And you know this because this is gonna continue. So we're gonna put all the info for this in the show notes, but we're also gonna put info on this on the Patreon and the social media pages. So what we're saying on this episode is the most important information, but we will have this distilled in a simpler way and text format on the Patreon Discord, on the Fury's Finest social medias, and on the Patreon page, just as the public posts you can see as well. So May first is the official start day, and I really look forward to just people starting, you know, and kind of seeing initial starts and kind of people keeping each other accountable and excited.
1: So the one thing, the one major rule now the painting gallery with no name, it's really hard to find. Right. So the first thing that I want to say is that don't post any of your works in progress for these guys. I want the gallery to be filled with things people don't even expect to be coming. So when you do start taking pictures of these things, do your best not to tell any of the major social media sites, like your Facebooks and the and the hobby progress thing in the Discord, yes. do your best to keep it secret. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Those are really right. important words. Send them to me, and if it's really good, way more likely to wow the people voting for you. So just do your best. You got it. You got to hide it, and then when it's ready to be unleashed, it'll be it'll be it'll be unleashed.
0: Probably the toughest rule and the most paramount thing, yeah, is not posting pictures of this at all online until the first quarter is done essentially is the way, easiest way to look at it. So you can kind of look at this as a fun project too, because a lot of us post our stuff as we're painting on the Furious Finance Discord, Instagram, all these places. And this could be your side project that no one knows about, you know, like your character, you're painting on the side while you're still posting characters in the group, which I find very exciting. Yeah, it is the hardest rule, Dylan, but it is a rule we're going to try to stick to because we really think it's more rewarding this way because then when they all get posted and we all vote, no one has any idea what everyone was working on. Right. Yep. And then we all vote And then after everybody votes and that voting phase is over, then you can post it on your respective social medias and stuff. Because we know a lot of you, especially patrons in the patron discord, Dylan, are accomplished painters that even have Instagrams that, you know, post all their minis. So I understand you want to post that. So then at that point, you'll be able to post
1: it. With my blessing, too.
0: That's right. The double D signature.
1: Now, speaking of double D. And affiliation leaders. Do we have something like that we're going to talk about today?
0: We have a lot of Daredevil talk we're going to get into today. And I think before we do that, we got a little bit of business to attend to. So let's get to it. All right. <laughs> Furious Finest is supported by Discount Games Inc. Go to discountgamesinc.com for all of your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs. Our patrons support Furious Finest at patreon.com slash Furious Finest. If you enjoyed this show, consider supporting us with the monthly contribution. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. And Dylan, we have a new patron of the week. It's not you, it's someone else. Oh, very, very good. Oh geez. <laughs> but we have a huge and exciting shout out to a new patron. Aaron W. Thank you, Aaron, for your support. I can't wait to meet him. Maybe you already have in the Patreon discord, you know, that's, all of us with true. our, our fake names in there. So, you know, <laughs> most importantly, we have to finish this Patreon discussion and, and thank our Avenger level producers, Zach attack, rusty Dylan. Who's on this very cast. That's me. That's you and Nathan. Thank you Avenger Level Producers for making the show happen and making things like this painting contest and the Furious Finest Secret Wars League happen. You know, without the Furious Finest Patron Discord, none of this stuff would happen. So, we thank the Avenger Producers for this, but we also thank everyone who's a patron making this community thrive
1: you guys are facilitators
0: absolutely and we're looking forward to the community growing over this next year because a big conversation chris and i have had dylan a lot about this year is like this is the year of all the patron stuff right like like it's the year of after dark the discord you know the, the leagues on top of putting out the same level of content or more we do on the standard show so like this is the big year for the patron discord and uh all you guys that support us we're trying to put out as much content as we can you guys keep us going it really means a lot.
1: It's a hobbying network.
0: There it is. That's exactly it. And this is why the painting competition is going to happen. So I'm really excited about it. But Dylan, we have to move on to our big topic of the day, Shadowland Daredevil. More specifically, Shadowland Daredevil list building.
1: You know, the first thing you got to ask is, is the the beast going to be involved in this? Is it going to smell funny?
0: I guess the beast is going to be in control this whole time. Yeah.
1: Oh, gosh. All right. Well, I got to get ready. All right. I'm I'm ready. I'm prepped. Let's go. Let's do it.
0: Let's do it. That's going to a lot of our listeners heads because, you know, we haven't done Shadowland Daredevil episode yet. And, you know, apparently Chris and I are going to have to do that now, which is very exciting. It's going to be an addition to our Daredevil episode, which was some time ago, but a different facet of the character entirely. Absolutely. I think we got to get into Shadowland Daredevil right now. And the topic of today's discussion, which is Shadowland Daredevil list building and just testing and learning this affiliation. We're going to talk pretty simply. We're going to start with the simplest thing first, which of course is Shadowland Daredevil. He's a four-threat leader, and his leadership is Shadow War, Criminal Syndicate. When an allied character attacks an enemy character holding or contesting an objective, that allied character may re-roll one of its attack dice. This leadership ability can re-roll skull results failures. What are your thoughts about this leadership, Dylan?
1: I think personally when you first read it you don't fully understand how really how like really good it is because of the fact yeah. that this is not a limited reroll
0: not wetworks
1: yeah it's not a Wet wetworks wet works, you get it's a one and done with this guy if you can if you can cram as many attacks into a character as humanly possible you will reroll each and every single time as long as there's an objective involved
0: absolutely and that's a theme of today i think
1: <laughs> yeah i would say so uh the name of the game is violence lots and lots of violence
0: we chose violence and you know let's talk about the elephant in the room kingpin One of the best leaderships in the game.
1: So if we really wanted to waste people's time, we could, you know, we could sit here and talk about how amazing Kingpin is. We already know Kingpin's amazing, right? Exactly. We're not worried about that. If there's, there's probably hundreds of different places you can go or hundreds of different people you could talk to to tell you that Kingpin's good. We're here to explore the other side of Criminal Syndicate, the new side of it. It's fresh and new. And it's exciting, in my opinion. I think it's a lot more interactive than Kingpin's leadership, which makes it a lot more fun to play against. I
0: also think it's harder to play, but like in a fun way, where it's like, if you play it well, it's extremely rewarding. Like you said, imagine Webworks every attack, right? So yes, Kingpin is amazing, like we both just said. But the point of today's episode is to explore this new leadership, because I'm hoping, Dylan, this is the year of new leaderships, like I've been saying for some time, Mm -hmm. and that With this being the year of new leaderships, we as a community of MCP aggressively explore these new leaderships rather than settle in the comfort of our previous leaderships, you know, where it's like, I think this leadership has. Some legs, and I think this leadership might be one of the best attrition leaderships in the game. It's just very strange when you juxtapose it against Kingpin, and I think the best way to do it is not even look at Kingpin. I think the best way to do it is look at this leadership on its own, and when you look at this leadership on its own, you realize that it's incredibly powerful and fun
1: and it also really gives you the opportunity to look at characters that one have may have been out of or maybe rotation. For at least a little while, you can pull characters out uh, that probably haven't seen the light of day for at least a little while. And it gives you the opportunity to look at characters that historically, if you did use them with Kingpin, now you're using them for entirely different reasons, which is obviously one of the best parts about MCP.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we all know the power of the dual affiliated like Steve and Sam list right now. Right. And how it's kind of like. The facets of both sides of that of Avengers that can do different things in a Sam team or different things in a Steve team is very cool. But I think this leadership's even more so different. And it's this kind of more akin to possibly the Magneto and Mystique leaderships. And once again, Mystique leadership, not really explored yet, you know, and I think it should be. And I think it's starting to be right now, which is very exciting. But it's like one of those things like, I think this leadership might be. Much better than everybody thinks, and I think we're being overshadowed by Kingpin, and today we're not going to be overshadowed by him because we're not going to think about him <laughs> because we're going to think about how cool this leadership is and how cool this character of Shadowland Daredevil is. Chris and I are going to cover Shadowland Daredevil on the podcast in the future, but like this is a sort of episode that's a way of Dylan and I talking about Shadowland Daredevil and this leadership and what we're going to be doing over the coming months and ways that me and him are going to be trying different things with Shadowland Daredevil to figure it out. Is that fair to say, Dylan?
1: Yeah. As my absolute favorite character, I'm going to just stick him in weird places. It's just like, he doesn't belong here, but you know what, what happens if you apply ninjas? And then we're going to talk about
0: it. I think you're right. And I think we got to talk about the ninjas now. So obviously shadow and daredevil has ninjas, which is a whole nother thing. And I think we should, should just talk about them. Cause we have not talked about them on the podcast thus far. So, hand ninjas they have a stamina of two a move of medium they are medium-sized base and they have a height of two their defenses are one physical one energy and two mystic and they have a ninja weapon attack which is a range to four dice physical attack it costs zero has a double wild trigger so as in you need to get two wilds to trigger a bleed after the attack is resolved the target character gains bleed but more importantly dylan they have a lot of cool innate stuff right
1: absolutely the one thing that i found that i giggle about constantly is that they don't have stealth what kind of ninjas are these guys?
0: I don't know. They're they're grunt ninjas is what they are. They're not yeah. good enough to have stealth. So I'll talk about their first superpower, and then I'll let you talk about their innate superpowers because you know, they're pretty cool characters. So their first superpower is an active superpower called Ninja Vanish. It's cost zero. Action. Move one asset or civilian token being held by this character to another allied character within range three. The allied character is now holding that token. A character cannot hold more tokens than the crisis specifies. Yes, we know this. But now... The ninja is KO'd.
1: That's an interesting way to word that. I wonder if there's any characters that are going to play with that sentence. I
0: think so. And I think I have some ideas going forward.
1: So the next one is Ninja Ambush. When this character is placed onto the battlefield, as a result of coordinated strike or ancient throwing blade special rules, it may immediately make an attack. So it would probably be prudent to bring up the fact that coordinated strike is the way they are brought onto the board through Daredevil. And yep. if you bring Electra, they're brought on with ancient throwing blades. Uh, which are actually their strikes, which makes these ninjas incredibly difficult to keep off the tape.
0: Yeah. Cause you're striking a lot is what you're saying, basically.
1: Yeah. I mean, but again, I mean, especially with daredevil, cause we're talking about violence and what, what, a, what, a, what better <laughs> way to cause violence than with a basic attack that brings in more violence.
0: It's so true. And I, I do love that daredevil and Elektra's strikes both respectively are just five dice strikes. But on top of that, you had a four dice strike, essentially a four dice attack on top of that. So, I mean, Not as good as a nine dice attack. We know this. But a five followed by a four, pretty cool. You're peppering them real good.
1: But how many times have you played against somebody who rolls a dynamite defense roll for your basic attack? And then you just get that one opportunity to do that extra attack, and that's the one they flub, and you manage to get a good roll. I've seen ninjas take down characters that they had no right to take down. It's it's just an amazing little additional attack. Who doesn't love free attacks?
0: It's thematic for the ninjas, too. They're just kind of waiting for an opportunity, basically.
1: Absolutely. The next power? Is the hand. Uh, This character cannot contest secure objective tokens. This character does not have to pay power when interacting with civilian or asset tokens. So this seems to be a pretty consistent thing between grunts is that they're not allowed to mess with things that are just stuck on the board, but they do interact with stuff that they can pick up.
0: So Dylan, you being... The person who just played through the Furious Finest a Secret Wars League with Shadowland, Daredevil, and Usher being part of your team, give us an example of how you use the ninjas to, like, you know, pick up an early extract.
1: Well, then, how am I going to keep my advantage? All right, fine. <laughs> so, the good thing about this is that, due to the fact that, and not everybody knows this, is that when you have grunts in your list, they actually right. start. Deploy, Which Correct. a lot of people don't actually know that. So when they get deployed, what you want to do is you want to keep them close to another character. It doesn't necessarily have to be the parent, but it's always a good idea for this combo to work that there's another character nearby. So any crisis that has an objective token that's not on the midline, but is close to you. So you would think like your D's, E's, stuff like that. Yep, You can move up, pick it up for free because they don't have to pay power for these things. And then they can immediately do a ninja vanish. And as long as that other characters within three, they can throw them the token before they leave the board. So not only does this net you a very safe method of going up and grabbing tokens and throwing them back, but it's also going to save you a power. So it's kind of like a weird free uh, first class in a weird way.
0: Yeah. Which is great. Right. I mean, yeah, your ninja has gone, which is a bummer, but I mean, you got a extract, safe
1: but it's not even a bummer because when you think about the fact with the combo with the ninja attack yep. when they ambush you want to bring them out again because that's when you get your free attack
0: also i've i've come to find and i'm sure you have too dylan where it's like sometimes the ninjas not being on the board is actually a lot better than them being on the board because you know this is a different conversation from the shield agents which are more about mobility and they they don't have a way to vanish right so the ninjas are like it might be better to make them ninja vanish a lot when they give the token to someone else and then actually pull them out on Daredevil or Electra's activation because in essence, you couldn't have even touched the ninjas or use them as a power battery before that moment, right? So it's kind of this weird way of like, you're using the best part of them in some ways, which is the extract play without giving your opponent power because we know now in the game that Grunt's a big drawback of them is...
1: Their batteries.
0: Free power, yeah, for your opponent, yeah.
1: And obviously, there are certain affiliations, Black Order, and and specifically, they love seeing grunts across the table. It's scary. Whenever Thanos is on his happy side, whenever these guys die, Black Order will get the point.
0: It's not good. It's It's very scary.
1: It's very, very scary. So it might actually want to be ninjas and hide in the corner when you see Thanos across the table.
0: Nothing wrong with that.
1: No, not at all. They're just doing ninja stuff. They're doing, you know, they're just just doing what they're supposed to do.
0: It's true. So I guess we need to talk about Daredevil a little bit because we haven't done it on the podcast yet, but essentially Daredevil is a foresight leader that, you know, has a decent amount of health. Dylan, this is kind of my favorite part of him. He's six health in the front, seven on the back. He's a medium move, standard small base. His defenses are four physical, three energy and three mystic. And then on the back, they flip three physical, three energy, four mystic. But on top of that, like he doesn't really do a ton in the way of superpowers. He just does a couple attacks. But his superpowers are innate,
1: which makes it useful, right? Because it gives you a maybe a bit of a battery ability for some of the cards that are going to be coming up here soon. Yeah, Uh, especially in Criminal Syndicate, because they have amazing tactics cards.
0: Let's just get the obvious out of the way. He can only spend power on his healthy side on Demon's Devastation, which is just a three cost spender. So even if you did it twice per se, that's six. So, I mean, yeah, he's going to have some cards he can spend his excess power on.
1: Uh, And the other noticeable thing, other than having a very high amount of dice, obviously we'll get to it, but Radar Sense gives you just the ability to spike dice like crazy when it comes to people trying to take them down.
0: Yeah, we, we know how good Master Martial Artist is on Danny the range three so just imagine master martial artists at any range
1: i mean it's absolutely insane when you think about it so you know so many strategies rely on taking out those key characters whenever they need to especially with like a first activation with attrition based list but if you have this guy standing there maybe the ninjas aren't out yet and you know the combo's coming and you just cannot get rid of them you want to talk about curling some toes it's amazing i've done it so many times it's always worth it
0: okay you're just saying the fact that him being out, which part of that?
1: So if he's in a position, so Mm -hmm. obviously with Demon's Devastation, it's a Mm -hmm. nine dice builder if you have your ninjas in the right place. So the great thing about his attacks is that if he does his strike, the ninjas are going to pop out. So obviously if they know how this combo works, Daredevil, they're going to try and stop him, right? But this is the kind of tech on a model that's going to stop the opponent from being able to stop how many times, you know, if they do a double attack and they manage to still not take them down between getting blanks on defense and having six health, just on the healthy side, Mm -hmm. you being able to pull off that nine dice attack could really save a game or two. And it comes with a, a possible vanish,
0: the vanish on daredevil, which is super cool, which is like a little mini gamma leap sort of thing for him. So yeah, very cool. And, you know, we, we'd be remiss to not talk about on his backside, he gains a new superpower. There's only the beast. It costs three power, so he definitely has more ways to spend power in the back. Next time you use the Demon's Devastation attack, its range now becomes A2. This is not an action, so it's just like, essentially, on his backside, you could pay six for Demon's Devastation to make an A2, seven-dice attack, or nine-dice attack, like you said, if the ninjas are present.
1: The one thing that is important to note that is he does lose the vanish when he flips. It is a bummer. He starts losing his mind, demons taking over.
0: Yeah, that all makes sense. But now we've talked about Daredevil because, you know, he's a cool character with stealth, with radar sense, with wall crawler. But most importantly, Dylan, he has this incredible leadership. And I think Daredevil, if you look at him kind of on paper without this leadership, he's probably one of the lower tier fours in some ways, because he he does have some issues, which we'll get to in a bit. But you had this leadership. Well, now we're talking totally worth it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: You know, it's it's the Steve thing all over again, right? Like, I mean, it's not that Steve is bad in other teams. It's just that Steve is incredible with his leadership, right? And that's kind of what we're looking at with this Daredevil. I think the Daredevil will be fine in other teams. In fact, you know, fine and maybe a Kingpin leadership, like you and I discuss in our After Dark episode on the Patreon. But that's not really what he's about. He's about this leadership, and that's what I've come to find. And I think it's something that's come up with you too, because. The value here is very high, and we're going to talk about why it's high. And I think the first thing we got to cover here is this being a unique leadership that is based around enemy characters holding or contesting objectives. We have to look at our crisis cards and build from there. So, we're going to build our securities and extracts right now. And I've got some stuff built and I'm going to run it by Dylan and see what he thinks. I'm going to let Dylan uh, ask me questions along the way. You know, think about this with us, listener, where it's like this is purely an exercise to test and learn Shadowland criminals. I think I have a lot of fun ideas here and possibly potent ideas, but more importantly, this is going to be a blueprint going forward and we make tweaks as we go along, just like Omnis and I did on our X-Men and Guardians episodes. So Dylan, we have to talk about secures first, I think. It's pretty simple, but turns out Shadow and Daredevil likes spread secures, I think.
1: I have to tend to agree with you. He's going to help your models in their one-on-one model exchanges. It's going to give them just that little bit of edge to either take down threats lower than them much quicker or even help them win equal threat fights.
0: Perfectly said. And I think it's kind of like... You know, many years of Spider Foes at this point, but a different light. You know, it's like we're losing some of the tankiness the Spider Foes have, we're losing some of the movement the Spider Foes have, but we're still doing those 1v1s. You know, we're still doing those kind of spread maps that focus on little skirmishes spread out from each other. So my mind immediately goes to that sort of Spider Foes mentality, and I immediately want to play Mutant Mad Men and Infinity Formula, both B maps. What are your thoughts on these B maps?
1: Obviously the biggest advantage of B maps is that they totally promote one-on-one exchanges. Anything that goes wide might give you a little bit more trouble, but especially yeah. with against rosters that go a lot wider the models don't tend to be as strong. Sure. So obviously when you go up against rosters that have wider list building, you're always going to have that priority advantage. So even okay. if they happen to be able to spread out so much, you're going to be able to always pick the encounter that you want to do yep. first, which is going to help something. obviously keep the the points flowing.
0: Yeah, and delete something on top of your turn, hopefully, and kind of even out the activation count and all that, which seems really good. You know, and I think this is a good point to bring up the fact that with our list building today, my thoughts... Going forward with this, Dylan, are that I think Shadowland Daredevil is a potentially a um, medium-sized team to potentially wide, depending on the objectives. I think the primary basis of our teams and the build of our teams could be three threats.
1: I think so with the opportunistic four, but we're going to get yep. into that, obviously.
0: Yeah, I just don't think we're we're definitely not going tall narrow, and we're definitely not going super wide. But I do think we're going to lean on the wider side of. The middle, you know? And I think that's a pretty cool place for this list to be. So the first secures I grabbed are Mutant Madman and Infinity, Infinity Formula. And my thoughts with Mutant Madman are similar to Spider Foes. We have less movement than them, but we're going to have characters with four physical defense ideally. And it's a B map. Like we just talked about the strength of that same with infinity formula, but there's no flipping, there's no pay to flip. Everyone's just getting more power turns on our team, turns on potentially our superpowers. And I think it's going to turn on my theory for this team, which is enabling even more rerolls and enabling even more charges to kind of get around action economy. So if any formula is going to help us out with that now closing out our secures, I have two ideas that i want to run by you dylan and let's talk about the two ideas because you know i'm kind of up in the air and this is going to come up to testing and i'm going to have a lot of testing planned out with this but the first idea is a very common modern criminal staple superpowered scoundrels form sinister syndicate that's the f map secure it's now the widest secure in the game it's five points on the map which is crazy when you're range one of an ambush token which is one of these five secures on the map So if a character's contesting an ambush token have cover from attacks made by characters not contesting the same ambush token. The easiest way to remember this, at least I've been remembering in my own mind, which maybe it might help you at home, might not at all. But essentially, as long as the enemy is not within range one of the objective, which is essentially like range 1.5, because it's still it's like under two, but it's not wider than two. Like we're in this weird cover state situation. As long as they're not range one of the objective that you're on. You have cover. That's pretty good.
1: It obviously promotes close combat fighting, so it should help kind of mitigate the issue of having to go up against characters that have longer ranges. Uh, right. Obviously, with Criminal Syndicate, they're not known for their speed, so it should help out in that regard for sure.
0: Right. Now, the 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 most obvious elephant in the room to talk about here, Dylan, is if we pull this against a Wilson Fisk Criminal Syndicate Kingpin player, or even a web warrior, a wide Web Warrior player, we might be in trouble. absolutely. But we can get ourselves out of a hole with calculated attacks, potentially.
1: Absolutely. So what you're going to want to do is make sure you group up on objectives that you know you're going to be able to secure and not mm-hmm. take risks of having models roaming around on their own, getting pushed around by lines of web.
0: Lines of web. That's exactly it. So my other thought here, I'm going to run by you. If we don't go the scoundrels route, I'm feeling pretty confident about the me and Madman Infinity Formula. But we're going corset again. corset another 17 threat extremist consoles. My thinking here is, yeah, it's a D shape, which we don't love as much as the B shapes, but we do like it. And more importantly, we really do love the spend a power to heal one because essentially with our reroll, if we're doing a lot of strikes and we're adding rules into our strikes, we're just netting more economy than anybody else. And we're hanging out by these points and we're just going to immediately spin that power we just gained to heal up and just kind of just, like you said, win these 1v1s even more.
1: And even if you get into a scrap with a character who is also more tanky or equally as tanky or you just happen to have a bad roll or multiple rolls in the case that we're about to get into, you're yeah. going to always have the advantage of having more dice so that eventually the attrition game should go in your way bar some very unusual dice rolls.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to let us more turns, right? And the more turns we have, like you just said... The more dice rolls we're gonna have, the more re-rolls we're gonna have, we're gonna do more attrition. You know, it's it's the Green Goblin thing all over again. Like if you let Green Goblin get all six rounds, it's a different game, you know, like than if you got less rounds before you scored out or something. So I find this subjective very intriguing as well. And honestly, it's like my gut feeling is this one, but I want to try scoundrels first, testing wise.
1: And plus it's new, right? It just came out with one of the new boxes. So you might as well try it. It's part of the testing process, obviously.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's one of those ones. Like if we encounter wide web warriors or criminals under Kingpin, we just truly struggle. But I think outside of that, like you said, we have a fun time because people have to come to us and our characters are sitting cover, you know. And on top of that, we have some stealth. <laughs> so we've got stealth until the point where they can see them. And then when they can see them, now they have cover. You know, it's very cool. It's very cool. So I, I like where this is going. And I think my initial build with this is going to be Mutant Mad Men, Infinity Formula, and Super Powered Scoundrels. But I'm going to have in- extremists in the back pocket to test. But, you know, that those are cool threats too. 18, 17, 20. Not bad.
1: Those are good point totals. Uh, Definitely on the funner side of the game, that's for sure.
0: It's true. And I think 17 is going to be a theme with our list, and that's perfectly fine because I think we can do a lot with our 17th red. Now, moving on to extracts. These are the extracts I have come up with so far. They could definitely change going forward in the future, but I feel like two of them to me seem pretty obvious once again, like the secures, but we, we will keep an eye on the third one. So. The first two I have, Dylan, are Fear Grips the World is Worthy Terrorized Terrorize Cities. That's Threat 18. Of course, it's a D shape. And then we have Struggle for the Cube continues. That's Threat 17 and another F shape. You're noticing got some F shapes reoccurring. Yes, the Hammers is our first D shape if you don't include the extremist Flex. You know, these are one of those situations like you win or lose, you know, it's like, Oh, you have a hammer or a cube and you're scoring points, but also now you're triggering daredevil's leadership or you don't have a hammer or a cube. And now the enemy has it and they're scoring points and you know, they're getting the benefits of those. Right.
1: Absolutely. And obviously it plays right into our, our strategy when it comes to, winning the game through attrition. Obviously, hammers make it way easier, especially if you go up against a team like Web Warriors. More dice is always going to help get through those re-rolls when it comes to defense dice, and that's what you need when you fight up against those silly spiders.
0: Well, yeah, and... Absolutely. And we we also know too how cool and powerful it is to have re-rolls on top of more dice, right? Because more dice is more better in MCP, as simple as, as, as it is. The crit mechanic makes the dice in this game very swingy, very unpredictable, and having a lot more dice gives you more crits. Matt's leadership gives you more access to, well, I just rolled this big pool of dice because I had a hammers and now I can ascertain, oh, I've got a skull. I'm going to re-roll that, right? So you've got a lot more options with access to that. But on top of that, Cubes are very interesting because I think we have fairly tanky characters and we have characters that can do a lot of things with attacks and we have characters that can do a lot with a lot of power. So as long as they can spend their power every turn, they're getting off more attacks. They're getting off more spenders potentially, right? With rerolls and the cubes help facilitate that as well. So I think both these are really fun. And I think the most obvious and simplest answer to this, Dylan, is hammers is four on the map and cubes is five on the map. That's a lot. That's a lot of re-rolls.
1: Absolutely. And one other thing that's good to note is that when you are rolling more dice, if you have re-rolls that don't interact with skulls, the more dice there are, the it's. So, I mean, how many times have you done your re-rolls and you have one waiting in the bank and then you re-roll into a skull? So even it if hurts. you use the Daredevil leadership, it's always good to at least have more dice in the pool so that you can re-roll those instead of those salt skulls you're not allowed to touch.
0: Absolutely. Definitely. So closing out or extracts, I have one here that's kind of, you know, not too crazy of a pick. And I think it's going to make a lot of sense when we talk about it. But I have the Montesi formula found. I I never play this objective, hardly ever, Dylan, but it is E-shape, which is a bit stranger for our list, but not too bad. And it's Threat 17. But most importantly, this is the spell books. When you pick up a spell book, you gain this beam attack. And you know what really comes online with rerolls is beams, because you get a reroll per every attack in the beam. So it's one of those things like, this is more here as a testing thing to try more rerolls, but it's also just, it's a slow to moderate scoring objective, you know? And it's just like, it's going to give us, like we talked about, that guaranteed at least getting to round four or five, which we want to get more rerolls, more attacks, delete models, and win the objective.
1: Because turn four... And you could hypothetically say three, especially if your list is really going on. That's when yeah. the characters are going to start dropping. And that's when the advantages are really going to start coming through When you have, whenever you have heavy attrition teams.
0: Yeah, and that's when activation count really kicks in too, right? Because like you said earlier, if we encounter a wide team, I think that's when we really start winning against the wide team, right? It's just they're not wide anymore. In fact, they're probably less activations than us, potentially, if we've done things right. So that puts them in this... Tough space, you know, where they all have so many activations and things they can do. So I find this very cool objective. So let's just talk about a couple of the other extracts real quick, Dylan. And of course, we got to talk about the thing that has been coming up in the leagues everywhere, single extracts. I don't think Daredevil's team loves them. So I don't think they ever take them out of by choice, but I think they can handle them. That makes sense. So you and I talked off mic some about some of these. Some of these are just not good for the team in particular. Like, I I don't know, like the scroll, it's just probably not good, right?
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. One, it's the C deployment, because that's going to promote ganging up on each other. We start to lose some of the edge that, that, that this roster is going to bring. Yeah. So obviously, we want to avoid fighting in the middle.
0: Yeah, it slows the game down, which is not bad for us. But outside of that, everything else is bad on it, I think.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and do you figure something like a Wakandan Herbs type thing, the, the list... Is going to be way too slow to be able to pull things like that off. So it's not even worth thinking about that.
0: Yeah. and I don't think you can catch the herb runner, right? Because if they have an herb plan, you're just in trouble and not good. Now, we could talk about the Senator, potentially.
1: So the Senator has the obvious advantage of having the defense debuff, but obviously that's a road that goes both ways.
0: It is, but I think we're fine with it because we just let him get it early. We just let it happen, right? And then we double down on that character, right? And we get him quicker because we have re rolls. But once again, I don't think we bring it if it's forced on us. It's different.
1: Obviously, when we start going over the characters, when we were talking off mic, the first thing that comes up is that there's a lack of one out of activation movements or intrinsic superpowers that help get movements that don't take actions. Which is Correct. obviously some of the biggest advantages you can get when you have something like a senator or a scroll
0: or a herb, yeah, or an herb, right? Yeah. So no, you're absolutely right. I think it's worth talking about the researcher while we're here because though a staple of the Kingpin list might not be as good on the Matt Murdock list, but I don't think it's bad, and it's something I'm thinking about trying. Going forward as a as a testing thing, but I think Montessi's the choice for now, but researcher is a good fallback to test. I say this, Dylan, because the ninjas do count towards the researcher, which is super cool.
1: That's very true. They
0: actually count as double in Kingpin leadership, which is ridiculous because it's the only, you know, we we say this all the time in Fury's Finest. The researcher is 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 an extra secure in your deck, but it's not secure, it's an extract. But you play it in the game mechanically like a secure and it's weird, but the ninjas since since it's an extract, the ninjas do count towards it. So Matt Murdoch's pretty good here, and on top of that, we, we know it's a very fighting objective. Now, the downsides, obvious. you lose to a kingpin criminal you probably lose to a heavy attrition team like a brotherhood or a cabal or something that just wants you all clumped up so you do have some strong strengths where you're getting to do a lot of tr- attrition put out ninjas get them to count for the research or whatever but it also could go bad very quickly
1: and not to mention if soon as you see black water across the board you're already starting to get worried about having a big fight in the middle Obviously, Black Order very strong in big fights in the middle.
0: Yeah, not good, not good. So it's something I'm looking at, and you know, there's a couple other ones that come to mind. But like you said, C's are not great for us. So Legacy Virus, I'm not crazy about it. And you know, there's only three on the map. It's better than all the other C's, like the Scroll, like the Cree.
1: How do you feel about pay to flip objectives in general with this affiliation?
0: Good question. I actually think we don't mind them, right? Because we're something I've already touched on a couple of times. We have better strikes than everybody else, right? Because the rerolls. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, we're fine with pay to flips. Hence why it chose me in Mad Men, I think initially. Are we going to want to do like deadly meteors? Probably not.
1: Because obviously, with the C deployment, you start having problems.
0: It's C and it's energy, right? And I don't think anyone on this roster really has good energy defense at all, outside of a couple of splashes. So, Mute Madman, love it. Maybe some of the other ones that are like kind of just oh, roll and see if we get a crit. We're still fine with that, but we don't, we don't love the objectives because they're single extracts. So it's interesting, but I think we're on the right path with like the B, the B shape, and I think that's the route we're going to go, kind of around this.
1: And obviously, who knows in the future with new boxes coming? Because with the extravaganza 100%. right around the corner, who knows what's about to come out?
0: Exactly. That's why we're kind of using this as a template to go forward and change and try things. But, you know, this is my next big project. And I think this leads us to Dylan. We have our secure and extracts now. So we have Mute Madman, we have Infinity Formula, we have Scoundrels for, as our secure. And then we have Montessi, Fear Grips the World, and the cube for extract. So now we're going to build a team and I've got some ideas for a team and some of them are pretty straightforward and some are kind of off the beaten path. So we'll talk about the straightforward ones. First, we have to take shadow under done. Done. We have to take bullseye as an affiliated two threat. I think done (laughs) (laughs) and something that's going to, you're not going to fight me on at all. You know, it's something that you and I are going to probably continue to rant and rave about the rest of the episode. We're taking hood. That's a three threat. We're taking him. And why are we taking him, Dylan?
1: He, I mean, there's no stopping us. You can't stop us. The the things that he enables us to do in this list, but with the character itself and the tactic card that's attached to him, it's impossible to say that it's not useful.
0: Right. I mean, he hits harder than 95% of three threats on his demon form, right? So adding a reroll to that, crazy. On his human form, he has a mystic pistol attack with rapid fire. Add rerolls to that. Okay, very versatile. <laughs> but on top of that, we've talked about winning these 1v1s. We talk about like these sort of like 1v1 fights that are going to flip objectives, right? He's incredibly good at that. And then you add the versatility of his kit, adding a med pack on his kit <laughs> for Absolutely. your team. And you add the fact he's affiliated, and we're going to be taking him most games. And this is why I talked about Daredevil Bullseye Hood first, because I think they're going to be staples of a lot of lists. And in fact, I think Daredevil and Hood are going to be our basis for a lot of this going forward. So let's talk about some other affiliated options that I am thinking about strongly. And I have my list starting with Craven the Hunter.
1: So Craven is, I think, a pretty interesting choice. Because you obviously get the bonus dice whenever you use his hunting ability. Yeah. And you could use to some, especially with your wider objectives that are going to require a lot of movement. You could also, you could possibly get a lot of use out of corner of the beast too.
0: That's true. And you and I also know how powerful he is on B maps, right? Because he can kind of do the Gwen thing, right? Where he nets actions and free movement on top of his attacks. And then he moves across, right? And goes to the other secure.
1: And even if you don't do the movement, the extra dice, again, plays immediately into what we're trying to do so he's he's an interesting character in that he can kind of play both sides of that field and i think he definitely should be considered but and and obviously being a criminal makes him a lot more a lot more palatable
0: right and this is why i talked about him first because i actually have a lot of stand-ins in his slot but him being a criminal essentially usurps that first right and we're going to try him as the initial slot but we'll talk about some alternatives later moving on the bread and butter and the star of my list in this, Dylan, is my other 4th threat character, Killmonger. Affiliated, he's going to remove pieces off the board. He's going to win you the game without usurp the throne where he scores two VPs. What else do we have to say?
1: So it's funny playing criminals with Daredevil as much as I was. For some reason, he completely escaped like my thinking process because I, I okay. haven't really seen him on the board for so long. It, I feel like it's, it's so been true. so long since Killmonger's been relevant.
0: That's true. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think Weirdly enough, yes, Killmonger is insane in Wakanda because Wakanda forever on a character that could hit Cesar's Killmonger is great. But I think Shadow and Daredevil's leadership, this might be Killmonger's primary home now because essentially he's getting consistency across the whole game on top of the thing he already did before, which is, oh, Killmonger's got a bunch of power. He's going to usurp the throne and do his spender and swing the game, right? So if he's consistent the whole game until the point where he swings normally, I think we're in a different situation with Killmonger now, you know?
1: Absolutely. There's not a part of his card that doesn't benefit from this new affiliation leadership. That's right. There's not a part of it that doesn't benefit from it.
0: Well, let's talk about potentially the craziest part of this card that, I mean, we, we talk about usurp the throne. That That is crazy with this leadership, but kill count tokens, right? Like, as long as he's getting tokens throughout the game, you are stacking rerolls on top of rerolls on top of rerolls and you're doing the shadow and reroll last, right? To potentially reroll any skulls that are issues. And his dice are just so consistent and that's a crazy thing. And, And he's always been a really consistent character dealing damage. But I think he has his primary home now because people have played him, Dylan, in Kingpin leadership and had great success with no re-rolls, right? (laughs) So it's interesting. I think it's worth exploring. And I think let's get the obvious thing out of the way. If you're a huge Carnage fan, which I am, Carnage could also be in the slot, but you're going to have to work a little bit harder. But I think he could be in the slot.
1: I think he could. You lose access to usurp the throne, which who doesn't love free victory points, right?
0: Right. But you just switch it with Carnage rules, of course, because... Was getting getting more of that Matt Murdock leadership right? More attacks, more rules, more kills, more violence.
1: But I think that in order for Carnage to fully activate, I think it just it just doesn't seem as consistent as Killmonger can be with less effort. If that makes sense,
0: that's true. Yeah, but maybe Carnage has a higher ceiling because like he has higher spikes because the healing, of course, right? Like he's just not going away. There's legs there. There's something there. It's just um, we're always going to go affiliated first in this list to test, you know, and to build around. And I think we're building our list around, honestly, Shadowlander Devil's leadership, Hood, Killmonger, and probably Bullseye, like having that as a core. And let's talk about that core. That's 13 threat core. That's pretty good.
1: Absolutely. And it obviously gives you just enough bending on whichever character you want to flex in based on the threat level.
0: Yeah. And you drop bullseye 11 threat, you know, not bad either.
1: Yep. Yep. So the one question that does come up though, is what happens if we get a 15 threat game? Cause with only one, two threat, it obviously leaves us vulnerable to an odd point level. What do you think is a good course of action for that? Okay.
0: So you're saying if that's our intention to have a core basically around daredevil killmonger hood mm-hmm. with that 11, right? And then now we're kind of, so we're going to have to grab another four right? Which I do have some fours in mind. Or, you know, we get lucky and we kind of go up to 16, 17, right? And we kind of flex that way. But let's just talk about our next four, Dylan, because you set up so well. So this is what's tough. This is who you are as a player. This is who you are as what you want to try. For me right now, rogue. It's it's all rogue all day. But no, seriously, there's a lot of characters in this four threat spot, which I think are really good because you got to think about it. This is our flex spot. This is our spot where we want a character that can do a lot of things to make up for the lack of our rest of our team. So, so far we have Shadow and Daredevil, Killmonger, and Hood, and Bullseye, Dylan, which all do one thing. They all do a lot of damage really well. That's about it.
1: <laughs> okay. That's about it. Not a lot of movement other than some charge.
0: Right. We have a little bit of charging on Killmonger and Hood, which is Phenomenal. But we need some throws. We need some superpower mitigation, things like that. So Rogue brings different damage types. She brings throws. She brings charge. She brings meat and absorption, which sometimes just wins games. It's weird, but it does. It's just, you know, an incredible booby trap with more dice results, right? And just auto deal damaged characters
1: and the best spender in the game, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, Southern hospitality is you'd pay that price just for the size four throw, right? Absolutely. And just happens to have a seven dice stack, seven dice stack before that.
1: With re-rolls, might I add. I know, I know. makes it so consistent.
0: Let's also talk about the power of Rogue's strike with a re-roll, where you get to choose if it's physical or energy, and then you get a wild of sap power with re-rolls, right? So not only are you dealing more damage, but you are actually controlling your opponent because you're taking away their power with sap power from a re-roll, potentially getting wild. Rogue is also another character with the lizard reduction, right? So reduce damage by one to a minimum of one. So she has flight. She has mobility. She has all these things. She fits all situations, essentially. So she's our baseline pick. But I have some other fourth threat picks, which I think are really fun, which we should just talk about, because you might be the player out there that would much rather have these picks. So I think the next picks, Dylan, you and I have talked about off mic a lot. The first pick is Venom.
1: Absolutely. Venom was the we almost said it at the exact same time we were talking about it. It was, it was pretty much a jinx. Mm-hmm. Venom is a super solid four threat, especially with some of the crises that we have. It even yes. helps with that, especially with the cover. It makes him more resilient, which obviously is going to help you get off your counterattacks more and such and such.
0: Well, and counterattacks with rerolls are pretty insane.
1: Especially his, since it's so powerful. How many times have you lost an activation on a, counterattack from Venom.
0: Right. And they can't modify dice on defense.
1: And it's obnoxious how good it gets when you're rerolling one and potentially two dice, which we'll get into a little later. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously a fantastic pick. I think Rogue might edge him out just a little bit because he is more, because she is more mobile. Yes. Especially since our crises are so far apart. That obviously, I think, kind of puts it just in her favor, and she has a better throw. And and obviously, with the throw, obviously, anybody that loves Venom, I think this would probably be the spot you'd want to throw him in. I love and Venom. I would definitely yeah. wouldn't blame you, but I think Rogue is the better choice overall.
0: Yeah, I agree. And you know, once again, this this role we're fulfilling because Killmonger is kind of one note. We're trying to find a character that does a lot of things. So Venom obviously has he has the web snares. He has the attack not even in his turn, which is great with reroll. And he has some throws as well, but Rogue has a little bit more. But we got to move on to our next four threat that could be considered in the spot, which is Medusa. So I'm going to talk about Medusa. She's gone nowhere, Dylan. She's gone nowhere. She's still one of the best four threats in the game. And I think in this team, she's extremely powerful because she already has an Inhuman reroll, which is one reroll on attack, all attack and all defense dice, which is already enough reason to run her. Then you add a Shadowland reroll on top of that. And she's getting flurries. She's getting pushes off just left and right. She has a throw. She has a place. She can move her allies at will. There's a lot here that she's fulfilling that we're lacking as well.
1: Absolutely. I don't think anybody that knows how to play this game would ever say that she's not good. Obviously, with the nerf that came from her, people... like You definitely see her a lot less, but I think in lists that need the extra pushes and all that. She's a great source of it. The real question yes. is, is why do you think rogue edges her out?
0: Good questions. You know, and I think that's something worth, to, worth testing. I, I don't necessarily know if rogue does edge her out. I think it's the flight. Like you said, the mobility, I think the charge is something that we're strongly considering with rogue. I do like the innate defense with the one, one reduction rogue better than the Medusa's reroll. But I think it's, I think it's the charge mainly with the powerful throw and, and just the fact that Rogue has essentially, if Rogue has a bunch of power and Medusa is very similar, this is why they're both good in Matt's team. Cause like we talked about, we're going to try to reroll strikes as much as possible, attack dice on strikes and build more power. But if Rogue and Medusa have a bunch of power, they typically can spend all of it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, I think the one thing that does help Rogue in her case is that with all the absorbing and sapping, she yeah. can affect the other person's strategy. While, On top of blowing them up, <laughs> as a, yeah, while also caving their heads in, you also if, so Medusa is more of an enabler for your own team. But do mm-hmm. you think that we already have enough enabling? Do you think like the interruption of the enemies? Or the other team's strategy through sapping and all that is is what kind of makes it more useful as the fourth threat.
0: Yeah, probably. It's it's interesting though because like the crises we chose, I feel like Medusa's a powerhouse too. You know, like I mean, like mutant madman and like scoundrels and all this stuff. Like you're just not taking her off a, a point, you know, and you're not getting on her point. So it's one of those things. Like we're just going to try both. I think Rogue is the safer. Hmm, I don't even know if safer is the right word. I think Rogue is just like the the innate option initially because the charge and the flight and all these other things you can do.
1: But you think after a little bit of testing, you think Medusa might be one of the first characters that would jump into the roster.
0: Yes, because a reroll followed up by another reroll on every attack is out of control, right? Uh, Especially with all these cool triggers with wilds and hits. And, you know, let's also not forget Medusa does have a flurry. So like she does beat out Rogue in a different way where it's like Rogue has more control. Rogue has like more direct damage to one target. But Medusa if you do encounter that swarm team right she's getting multiple attacks off pushing multiple people holding her point right so it's just different it's just different like would i rather have Rogue against the hulk yes would i rather have medusa against the hulk no And so it's like we've got we've got different matchup dependent things and i think venom somewhere in the middle you know between the two characters so very cool
1: so one other thing to even think about with Medusa is that the, she has a lot of access to pushes. Don't forget that Matt's a leadership requires them to be on the objective.
0: Ooh, I like this. So yeah. if
1: you push them off of it, you might accidentally knock yourself out of reroll territory. So that might uh, be another point for rogue,
0: but also, you know, they might move back in <laughs> and waste an action doing that. And then you hit them, you know, Absolutely. it's, 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 you know, it's a lose, lose for them. Now, the last thing we're gonna talk about, it's obvious. And we're gonna mention it while we're here. If you want to throw a in the spot, you know, Dylan, you've had success with him in shadow and leadership sometimes. But on top of that, Kingpin being in your list is just a huge question and deterrent for your opponent because let's say your opponent is playing in humans and they pull researcher from their secure well now you could say you know what you know what i am going to switch to kingpin but i'm still going to bring Shadowland and daredevil because that's our goal here is to play him every game i'm still going to put those ninjas on the point they're going to count as two in kingpin's leadership which is crazy but i'm going to use him as a tech piece against certain lists that's worth doing as well but i don't think he benefits from the matt's leadership very much
1: The obvious issue with Kingpin is that since he's so slow, the opportunity to get more than one attack with him is pretty rare. Oh, yeah. He's purely there to just kind of get into your opponent's head in turn zero.
0: And Hail of the King's already one of the best spenders in the game. Do you really need a reroll on it?
1: No, I don't think you do. It's too (laughs) solid.
0: Yeah. So he's literally there as a... Your opponent sits across from you and they, they see you have two leaders on Criminal Syndicate and they don't know what to do, you know, and that's that's enough reason alone. So, let's we're going to jump into our next picks because I've got some fun picks here, Dylan, that I think are pretty baseline, pretty simple, and then we're going to expand on them going forward. The first one is Black Cat. So, Black Cat is one of those characters, she's affiliated in Criminals. This could very much well be a Taskmaster, but I'm going to talk about him in a minute. But I think the world we live in right now, Black Cat is just good in any team, but of course she's much better and you feel less bad playing her in her affiliated teams.
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems a little bit less cheesy. I mean, I don't I don't even remember the last time I've seen a roster without her in it.
0: I've not played Voodoo outside of Convocation yet, right? And like Voodoo to me in Convocation feels completely fair and balanced. It's his team and honestly, like you're not really doing most of the Voodoo things the same way in Convocation, but Black Hat's very similar. I think we're getting into to pieces in our list now that we're not going to play very often, but when we play them, they're going to win us the game. So, case in point, we got forced on a single extract. We got forced on Legacy Virus, whatever it is. Probably bringing Black Cat, right?
1: Just in case, because obviously, if they manage to roll that crit and they run around and they run away with the core, that's points that you're going to have to c- catch up on some way. And just having Black Cat in the list to just possibly just take it from them. I mean, it can't get it doesn't get much easier than that.
0: No, it doesn't. And let's also not forget, like if you're attacking with Black Hat, you are probably doing something wrong. But at the same time, she does have a Pierce on her strike, so a reroll into a Pierce, you're kind of rerolling into two hits in some ways. Pretty cool. So yeah, maybe you didn't get the damage off on the Troublemaker, as in getting the Wild to get the Elusive because the stagger's just happening. So you want that reroll for the Elusive, right? Because I mean, that's really nice getting away sh- short. So. It's not like she's bad in mass leadership.
1: It's just not particularly what she's after.
0: No, you're not using her for that purpose. You're using her as a objective runner.
1: And if you're going to use a not so wonderful four strength attack, I mean, having some re rolls, I mean, it can't they can't make it worse.
0: Yeah, and like respect to four strength attack with the pierce. <laughs> it's yeah, it's lot scarier. Absolutely, it's a lot scarier than a, a four strength attack without one. But you know, sometimes Wong goes off. He gets really angry. He you know this. <laughs> Very once in a while. So, moving on, we have one of my favorite three threats in the game, if not my favorite three threat in the game. His name is Lizard. His name is Dr. Connors. Okay, so Lizard is already an incredible standard criminal pick. Let's talk about why that's obvious. He counts as two. He's got a big health pool. He's got innate reduction of damage. He's got healing factor. It makes perfect sense. But Dylan, we're talking about him and Matt Murdoch's leadership with the Shadowland. And I actually think he's just as good in Shadowland because he's a three-threat body that's not going anywhere. And we're playing these kind of wide objectives. And he gets a reroll on his tail
1: whip. Gonna get that push.
0: We're already just taking Lizard as a body with his movement and with his throw, right? And then if his worst part of his kit is tail whip gets better, I'm okay with it.
1: Now, and even when you think about the wide objectives, if Lizard's only purpose is to make you one or two points a turn.
0: And sit still and do and nothing. And just
1: stand there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's hard. And especially if you go up against a team where somebody's attempting to take them off of the point, I mean, then you're just you're just making money at that point.
0: Agreed. Yeah. He, I mean, he's he's actually part of our core. We haven't talked about him yet because I to want to talk about Affiliated Core initially, but he is up there with the kind of like Daredevil, Hood, Killmonger, lizard bullseye kind of core we have that kind of flexes around different ways so he's in that core because he gives us more tankiness which is something we don't have a great amount of we have some of but he kind of builds that up and as you mentioned dylan we we do lack some throws we do lack some pushes he gives us that which is nice
1: And especially when you don't have as many twos to stand back on things, Uh, I can't think of any other three that is better at it than Lizard.
0: No argument here. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So I'm going to talk about our final two picks, which were very fun, and I think kind of my bread and butter of what I want to do creatively in this list. So the first one is Angela, and it's not really that crazy, but Angela is in here because we need a five threat. We need someone who's good at mutant madmen and wide objectives. She's great at that. She has four physical defense. She has flight. She's the fastest character in the game next to Peter Parker, and she hits like a truck and has some pretty cool triggers off of her attacks. If you get the right dice results, which we got rerolls.
1: So obviously you're going to get much more consistent triggers especially with Heaven's Wrath. Correct. I would say on average, Heaven's Wrath is going to be getting at least six dice, but two six dice attacks with all those rerolls is going to be consistent enough to get rid of most characters. That's true. Yeah. And then obviously you'll give much higher chance of getting Angelic Assassin off.
0: Which is your goal, right? And like, she's kind of like our safe carnage, right? Where it's like, she's much safer because just like we talked about with lizard on her worst day, she's getting wherever she wants flipping an objective standing by in it right and a great throw with a great throw so she has a good throw and on top of that she's as guardian we've talked about this on the show a lot but i mean it's going to be pretty paramount in our list because we are playing cubes we are playing hammers she can pick up two cubes or two hammers round one if you do it correctly she can pick up a hammer and move to a secure and flip it like there's a lot of cool things going on here but more importantly like we already know she's a great attrition piece, but she gets better with rerolls. But like the rerolls are just a bonus. Like we're taking her to fill kind of gaps in our list. And I think the biggest gap in our list is mobility, and she's fulfilling the mobility gap.
1: And the fun part is that she does it while hitting things. So she's, again, helping us out while also getting a huge benefit from the whole point of the roster.
0: Absolutely. I agree. I'd be remiss to not talk about my favorite model in the game while we're here that could also fit in this slot. Dr. Strange, Sorcerer Supreme could also fit in the spot, I think, really well, Dylan, where it's like, okay, he's already one of the most consistent attackers in the game. He has a five dice, range three strike with Pierce, with Orb of Agamotto. if you just have a horrible roll, and then you get a reroll on top of that. Very cool. But he helps with our mobility issues as well, because he has Scalpel of Strange. To help our slow models get where they need to be potentially, or, you know, help us counter those high threats. We can't deal those thanuses, those kingpins, those hulks of the world. He'll just scalpel them away. So he's worth considering as well, even though I think Angel is the obvious choice, but. You know, I've been playing a lot of Supreme Strange for a long time, and I'm a huge fan. He's my favorite model currently in the game. So it's worth exploring him in the future, too.
1: Absolutely. I think the biggest issue that you'll bump into with that one is that I think people are still, at least the general people, are still trying to figure out how to work convocation. Obviously, he's got a crazy kit, but Mm -hmm. if you don't know how to use it, like Scalpel is super powerful, but if you don't use it right, it quickly becomes a detriment when it's when you got a four cost ability that you're using for no reason. It's very tough. Yeah.
0: So moving on to our last spot and we got to talk about it. It's, it's a simple spot. It's another three threat could be a two threat if we want it to be also black cat I mentioned earlier, but she black cat could be a second two threat. It's worth something exploring when you counter more things and kind of see where this list goes. But the last spot, Dylan is my favorite spot that I've come up with in this list and something I'm really excited to do. It's our rogue agent spot and that is, in our list, it very well could be Taskmaster, and that's a safe bet, and that's strong because he can help us pay for cards. But the actual slot is Winter Soldier. And we're going to talk about why, because Winter Soldier, he helps us keep affiliation. So sometimes when we go weird, when we go like, oh, I'm going to go Lizard and Angela, et cetera, et cetera, Winter Soldier helps with that. But that aside, he is a character with rerolls that really starts doing a lot of things. Quickly, because he's the only character in the game with a rapid fire strike, and he has a range five four dice strike with rapid fire. So with a re-roll, it's like a five dice strike with rapid fire.
1: And you figure the biggest benefit, like we mentioned before, the biggest benefit of Matt's leadership is that it is not limited to the number of Correct. times you can do it. So if you do six assault rifle attacks, you're going <laughs> to get 12 rerolls. Cause you're going to hit the rapid fire every time you just got to believe
0: you got to believe you got to believe and it's going to happen. But what's super cool about it, Dylan also too, is like the fact that it being range five, if something does happen with displacement or your opponent, maybe just is not playing the objective. Right. And it's weird because they're not giving you leadership, but like Bucky can choose his targets from range five. Right. And kind of like pick the best target with reroll, Right. And it makes a lot of sense, but most excitingly we got to talk about, I got your back. It does cost three now which is a lot, but I mean, it's good. If an ally character is dazed or KO'd by an enemy effect, after the effect is resolved, Bucky may use the superpower. Bucky may make an assault rifle attack against the target enemy character that caused the effect. So just like we talked about the power of venom getting rerolls outside of reactivation, you're getting rerolls outside of reactivation with a free attack with rapid fire. Once again, we have ninjas in our list, which are going to die a lot,
1: potentially even killing themselves.
0: Correct. I'm so glad you mentioned that. So they kill themselves, and you're sitting on three power and Bucky, and it's super weird, but you could potentially daze a model outside of Bucky's activation, just during Shadowland Daredevil's activation, right? And we're kind of just manipulating his range five rifle as much as we can with this. And it's pretty cool. So yeah, I really love him in the slot. I also think taskmaster is an incredible fit. We have a lot of cool things that like the super powered scoundrels, which, you know, we got cover. Taskmaster Shield gets around that. Taskmaster can help us pay for cards, but I think Bucky is going to stay in the list for a long time, potentially forever, instead of Taskmaster, because if you get good at this cool combo with Assault Rifle, Rapid Fire, Got Your Back stuff it could be really potent. And let's also not forget Hydra Tactics is really strong. It costs two, choose an alley character within range two of Bucky, place Bucky within range one of the chosen characters. So you can actually use ninjas for this as well, Dolan, where you can kind of use ninjas as a storm hop for Bucky. Absolutely. And they're size base, so very powerful. So I, I think he's one of the coolest pieces in the list, especially because he technically is affiliated during roster creation. But that's the list.
1: And it's interesting, especially with Winter Soldier, how long's it been since you've heard somebody excited to bring him?
0: That's so true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, he obviously got a big bump with the the card changes. So I think using him in a team that really makes him shine is super cool. And I think we're in a weird spot where it's like, S.H.I.E.L.D. just came out and Shadowland just came out. And I think he shines in both teams really cool. So I think we're going to see a lot of Bucky coming up.
1: Which is exciting because, yeah. Know, who doesn't love Bucky?
0: That's true. It's so true. We got to close out with taxes cards real quick. And we're going to spend a little bit less time here because this is going to be an ebb and flow thing. But the 10 I have right now, and I'm going to let you ask me about as after I read these off, are field dressing, med pack, blind obsession, climbing gear, sacrifice, usurp the throne, hoods gang, shadow organization, cruel tutelage, and all according to plan. So I do have three Criminal cards, two named character cards in the form of Usurp the Throne and Hood's Gang, two restricted cards, and three generic cards.
1: So, the first thing that you see looking at this is that with the med pack and the field dressing. So, I've taught me, myself personally, and some of the people I've talked to what's your goal with field dressing?
0: It's just to get someone to go that didn't get to go, essentially, because. The longer the game goes on, we have so much value with our attacks because of the rerolls and more power for us doing more spenders and more charges and stuff that say there's a turn where Hood gets dazed early. He rolls bad or something, and he's stacked on a bunch of power. As long as I'm keeping my team together, which I'm, I'm going to have my team together because I'm going to have people in pairs the best I can, I can field dress and actually go with Hood and do all the things I want to do still for that turn, you know? So that's the biggest reason. Now I know obviously there's some validity to brace. That'd be probably the easiest route or even better rivals, which is a bit more swingy because I don't necessarily know if we need it because I think our dice are so good. And also let's not forget we're playing bees, which are pretty spread. So it'd only be better rivals on one side of the map, but field dressing. I know some people think of it like some people sometimes think, look at field dressing and they're like, well, I'm not running a five or six every game. So I'm not playing field dressing because Honestly, if you're running five or six every game, you probably should be taking field dressing. But it's not so much that. It's I think we, we do have a lot of value in our characters, and they all have to go. And also, let's not forget, Dylan, a lot of the our list is going to be building around getting usurp, usurp the Throne off. And essentially, this is a Usurp the Throne insurance, because if Killmonger does get days, we take it off of him. He's flush on power. He pays for Usurp, and he just gets it done, hopefully
1: just unleashes
0: <laughs> yeah i hope so so it that's the main reasoning there but good, good question
1: so blind obsession obviously a fantastic card i absolutely love it i've talked to some people they say they're not big fans of it sure do you think they work magnificently well in these in these crises?
0: yes i think in me and madman and infinity, infinity Foma in particular or maybe even superpowered scoundrels yes now we play another opponent secure we're playing c we're playing e right? Probably not. So it's it's a, it's a basis by basis card, but how cool is it that we have blind obsession in a list where we get rerolls on all attacks, right? You're getting more dice on attack and defense, and then you're getting more rerolls. Also, I've mentioned this on the podcast many times, and I'll continue to mention it, but sometimes blind obsession at worst is a huge question to your opponent, because like, say you play blind obsession on a flank and they have priority and they say, oh man, if I go with this other flank, they're going to go with the blind obsession flank and just blow my character up. So that kind of forces them to make decisions. Or the other option with blind obsession is you just play at the top of a turn when you have priority, when you know you're going to KO a model and you play it, you KO the model, it guarantees the KO and the obsession's already gone. And that's the thing you're going to see with some of my cards, Dylan, because I also have cruel tutelage in here.
1: Obviously, Cruel Tutelage, uh, amazing card, but are you not worried about the skull giving you the stagger?
0: Great question. Um a little bit worried about it, but not really with Matt's leadership, because in theory, we're using it when we're ready, but also we have we can reroll skulls on attacks. And another way I view this card is like you're paying one for three more dice, <laughs> which is pretty crazy, and you don't even mind the stagger at that moment, because... Let's face it, this could be your second attack, right? And you're not worried about next round because you're potentially going to win this round, right? Let's say you're fighting a Steve Avengers. This is the attack that takes away Steve, right? And their leadership, right? So you're fine with the Sager. But I also think that reroll helps.
1: It makes the, it obviously the advantage of rolling a skull would definitely take away the it would definitely mitigate the risk of the card itself. For sure. So obviously Hood Gang Hood's Gang is an amazing card. Uh, I love it. I personally probably use it. I, I don't think I've ever taken Hood without it. Do you think that this might be a card you would change if you decided to start changing up the roster?
0: Probably so. I mean, it's not so much that I'm not going to play Hood a lot because I am. It's space, right? And I think it's pretty obvious if our goal is to always bring our two restricted cards, usurp the throne most of the time when we have Killmonger, and then all according to plan... Right. So that's four cards. So you start getting into that situation where it's like, can we afford hoods gang as well? When we'd rather did have like a sacrifice or a climbing gear. Right. For sure. Uh, get around some of our issues we talked about climbing gear, I think kind of essential in this list in a lot of ways too. So yeah, Hoods Gang might go, but on top of that, Dylan, you mentioned you like it a lot. Um, I'm sure you like it a lot because it synergizes with the leadership, right? I mean, it's <laughs> it's literally meeting the same requirements the leadership does, and you're you're getting a version of Dark Reign. So I don't know. Very cool.
1: The only limitation of the card is that you obviously have to do it during Hood's activation. Yes. Which could make it a little slow depending on the turn.
0: Yeah, but if he's in position, you're, you're going to want to go with him a lot early on every time anyways, right? Something we're also talking about in our list, I don't really think you go with Shadowland. Early ever, right?
1: (laughs) I don't think he, I just don't think he offers enough in the way of statuses or pushes or anything that most other characters would offer. Obviously, you know, playing with the strengths of the list, you're going to want him to go with your heavy hitters if you go, if you're going first, which is obviously the hope.
0: Yep. That's totally it. So any other questions about tech cards really? Cause I mean, are, are there any other tech cards we haven't talked about that you think are worth considering?
1: There's always, you know, anytime you bring up criminal syndicate, you can always talk about cruelty. Have you thought about yeah. bringing that?
0: I have thought about bringing that. And I honestly, it's been in here. It's, it's ebbed and flowed. And I think it will continue to ebb and flow. But I think the issue is this kind of killmonger strat, or like I said, if you're playing carnage, right, you're playing carnage rules, similar thing where it's like, Card space. You know, we have five cards in this game, and cruelties. I'd rather have Shadow Org every time. So then what are we talking about? Are we talking about Shadow Org, Cruelty, Field Dressing, med pack, And then I have to decide if I want to Usurp or not, and the Origin Air card? It's tough. It's tough. I think Usurp's just better.
1: And it obviously plays with the core of the list itself, since we suspect we're always going to be bringing Killmonger.
0: Most of the time. I don't think we're going to bring Killmonger when we see, like, you know, a six or eight threat across the table, which we still could. I mean, he... Killmonger is notorious for killing Hulk, like seriously. But, you know, I think we're gonna take it most of the time. So it's gonna cause issues. Cause I mean, we've always talked about too, Dylan, on the podcast, how it's like just like deal with the devil or something. It's like usurp the throne being in your opponent's hand makes you play differently, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You gotta you gotta or you gotta be a little wary of the scary guy over there looking at your real little- Real sharp.
0: There's power to it, you know? Like into into Jaka being on the board with that card out, like I'm saying like even if he doesn't get it off, you play a certain way and it kind of controls you in a lot of ways. So it's it's very cool. I want to try Quilty in here and maybe Maybe I'll try it. You know, it's another attack, right? Which is very good, but it's not a great attack. So I think all according to plan and Shadow Org are too powerful. And I think this is a good time to talk about Shadow Org. So Shadow Org is probably going to take that slot. We talked about this kind of a hard spot we're having with our fifth slot. And I think it's going to be on certain matchups against certain teams and in particular on superpowered scoundrels.
1: Because obviously, since we're also since we're all spread out over the entire board, getting within two definitely plays into our strengths.
0: Yes, because they have to come to us, like you mentioned, right? And super stealth, you know, for a turn. Very cool. There's versions of this list I've thought of with Gambit in here. And one of these three slot spots we talked about, they're kind of in flux. And uh, maybe you can go to that Black Hat spot. And you bring Dark Past, right, in here. And you have kind of Shadow Org followed by Dark Past. But more importantly, you give Gambit rerolls, and he has incredible attacks if he gets rerolls. So very cool stuff within this team that needs to be explored. I think,
1: and obviously with some play testing, I think that it'll help kind of hash out if the stealth route is more viable or not.
0: I agree. Yeah, definitely. It's something we just got to try and play and figure out together. So, but I think with our goal being violence, like you said, all according to plan is essential. I mean, you're going to bring in every game for the most part, so. Your slots are getting really narrow, you know, you're bringing your two restricteds all according, probably usurp and okay, what's your fifth card, you know, and that's why we have climbing gear. That's why we have sacrifice. That's also why hood hoods gang could be dropped for, you know, something else entirely like disarm, you know, like you see a giant Hulk or a Corvus, right? You bring disarm that game, right? So a lot of interesting things to to try. But I also think too, Dylan, that like the cool thing about this list is its attrition is so good on top of being really good at these objectives. I think that's what's it's kind of uniquely postured for that. Absolutely. All teams like hammers.
1: I think we like them a little more.
0: (laughs) That that was my question. I was like, do you think we like them the most? Maybe in some ways. I mean, I know certain characters like them a lot, but um, Angela being one of those characters, right? (laughs) Absolutely. It's one of those situations where it's like I think we're we're good in both cases, but our main goal is to keep points parity, score the same as our opponent or better. Like you play MCP normally, and then do damage and good consistent attacks on top of that with charges. Right, so we're never wasting a, we're never wasting movements except after turn one. Essentially,
1: absolutely plan and if any movement you are doing it's hopefully a charge.
0: Yeah, and speaking of charges, I'll and we'll talk about that Craven spot one more time because I said I had a couple interesting things in mind which I want people to try. Craven is there right now because he is a criminal and we're going to default to affiliated choices innately. I think a better choice than Craven is Laura, is X23. I think she's really cool in this list and I think you kind of get in this position where if you start playing her a lot, on top of Lizard as well, which seems kind of tough in all seriousness with affiliation, but maybe it could happen with Bucky and stuff in there. Well, let's say you do it though. I mean, you could even start bringing exceptional healing if you wanted to, right? So there's, there's cool stuff there. But I mean, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about my other three threats that could fill this spot. And I'm sure you have some in mind too, Dylan, but I mean, Zemo and Domino. Could also be in this Craven spot, right?
1: I've had some insane luck with Domino. who doesn't love an auto incinerate, especially in an attrition list.
0: It's so good. And like her ceiling with this leadership where it's like her ability to turn on a skull to a crit and then she can like reroll and get the dice she wants while that skull still kind of is a crit. She could roll another skull into something else like and just fix her dice. Very cool but I think Zemo is pretty obvious. He's a long mover with charge with an incredible attack innately with his own reroll, then then stacks with the mat reroll, and then he gives his team a reroll, range two of him. Zemo is probably the actual pick over Kraven, like, just as a testing purposes, but Domino and X-23, I think are the spicy, interesting picks that probably are better if you know how to use them.
1: Now, do you think that Taking out Craven really does threaten the affiliation because I think we have five characters still in affiliation, even if we take Craven out.
0: And is that including Winter Soldier or?
1: It's not. That's not.
0: So Winter Soldier be the sixth slot, is what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's so much threatened about the affiliation. I think it's more, you know, access to our cards, which are good. Shadow Org in particular, it gets better with the more criminals you have. All according to plan, much better with more criminals you have because ideally. Craven is a great battery for this card in particular. Like you said, like if I could pull three power off Craven and five off Matt Murdock, and you know two off some random character, I think that was a good all according to plan. You know, and then I still kept all my power on my Killmonger, my Killmonger yeah, yeah, yeah. So, or my Hood. Right, ideally Hood has his power too because our goal is to always have power for charges. Our goal is to always have power for our spenders when we're ready. So you've got to got to balance that out. So I think it's more just the all according to plan and Shadow Org plays, to be honest. So we're gonna see how that pans out. This is an excuse to use Craven. Like you said, it's hunting token, exceptional in this team, right? <laughs> like you mark somebody and like everyone's got additional dice and re rolls against them. But we're gonna have to time will tell. Time will tell. I don't know. I think Zemo's the the safest pick because he's giving you more reels for your team and a long move and a charge, like his is incredible as well, and he does it all the time, so I think Zemo's the actual character, but I'm gonna play Craven for a while and uh see how it feels and uh you know Dylan, this might be Craven's team honestly, like Craven's a good spider foe, like he seriously is a good spider foe, and I've tried him in Kingpin criminals as well. he's a good Kingpin criminal, but I think this is this his best team it might be, you know. It really might be.
1: I think so, just because the, the whole goal of the list kind of plays exactly into what he wants to do with that hunting token.
0: Yeah, and just his his dice get better with rerolls too, right? Because he actually has really impressive dice if he does his combo, if he's doing his things right, right? So, I don't know. Corner of the Beast too, on top of that's really cool. Like, giving them the bleed they can't shake, right? Like, you can really help delete targets uh, in, a, in a list that are able to delete targets.
1: And I think with the intrinsic movement with those attacks, maybe it helps with the comparison to Zemo because the Zemo's reroll is only so big. And yeah. if our things are so spread out, I mean, like you said, you're going to be in pairs. Is it worth bringing Zemo just to have a reroll for the two characters or would it be worth being able to, cause the one of the best parts of the hunting token off of Craven is you can throw it across the map. He doesn't have to be there.
0: I know. Yeah, it's really good. Now it's, it's worth exploring. I mean, obviously the power of Zemos is it's all attacks and defense rerolls. So it's dumb. But in three, three, four, 3 defense is respectable still. But yeah, I think Craven's more interesting, and I think he's worth exploring. And I think the hunting token is super cool. I mean, I did talk about the hunting party on a previous episode of Furious Finest when we talked about Craven. So I think this is a list kind of with the hunting party idea for sure. So I think it's worth exploring. But I think this is a good basis for us to start, Dylan, and kind of do some testing. Um, I know you like to play violence with your
1: criminals. I mean, violence is always the answer, isn't it? I
0: mean... For criminals, yeah. <laughs> for for demon criminals, I guess, right? <laughs> I, I'm just excited too, because like honestly, this list is 10 really neat models that thematically fit, really, on this list. And then on top of that, you've got ninjas. You've actually got 11 models, right?
1: And you're bringing in two characters that... Probably people haven't seen lately with your, with Bucky and and Killmonger.
0: Agreed. Yeah, and even Craven. Right. So yeah, that four threat spot we talked about the flex is so interesting. Like there can be so much testing if you just played this list and just played two or three matches with Rogue, two or three matches with Venom, two or three matches with Kingpin, two or three matches with Medusa. Right. Just like change that spot to see what it feels like. I don't know. There's a lot of cool things here, and I think it's worth exploring. I think this is shaping up to be one of the factions I'm most excited to play and look at in the game. I'm I really into the theme too, Dylan, like the theme of Shadowland Daredevil leading this team of Bullseye Hood, Killmonger, Winter Soldier, Black Cat, Rogue. Lizard, Angela and Craven. I mean, the theme fits too. I mean, all the, a lot of these characters have worked together in different ways or have you know, Angela, she just wants violence in general, even though she's a good character, you know? <laughs> sure. I mean, they're just paying her for violence and, uh, you know, she's a,
1: she's a bounty hunter, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're Very just true. paying her.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just paying her in like, in, in space bucks or whatever it is she wants.
0: Yeah. She just wants vengeance of some sort. So it, it all, it all tracks, but I think, um, you know, A lot of exploration here. I've played very little so far with this, but I've had a great success and more importantly, a ton of fun. And just remembering those rerolls and choosing them at the right times. And like you said, Daredevil's surprisingly tanky and just his fun is more in the fact that he's just hard to remove. Not so much. He does a lot of superpowers and attacks, maybe.
1: But it is always fun to scream, this is the beast, when you do flip him over.
0: Okay, so that's your advice, really, from this is is the biggest thing. Yeah, make
1: sure you yell at the top of your lungs that the beast is here before you smash everybody around you.
0: You're getting me excited about the Shadowland Daredevil lore episode coming up. Primary episode of the podcast coming up because yeah, it's gonna be a fun one. It's gonna be different.
1: Yeah, once you start diving into the beast himself, you start realizing that there's a lot of weird things in Marvel that uh, it's probably best that we have so many heroes around keeping that stuff under control.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, and uh, you know, just the this whole concept is just a crazy thing, right? We have such a, a good moral character like Matt Murdock, and this happens to him. You know, <laughs> like what would that look like?
1: He did it with the best of intentions, too. That's what makes it so sad.
0: It's what makes believable honestly but yeah Dylan it was really fun to have you on and talk about violent criminals It's something that you have a lot of experience in a lot more than me and it's it's funny because you know I'm taking a break from convocation it's you know it's we're approaching 50 games at this point it's it's getting a little it's getting a little out of hand and you know, you've started to try some complication on the side, which is really fun. And I've started to try criminals on the side. So it's kind of like we've had a fun switch.
1: Absolutely. I'm hoping that eventually I'm going to be able to come up to you and say like, and maybe switch your list around and hopefully you'll be like, well, that's a really good idea.
0: I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen for sure. And I think definitely between you and I both testing this Shadowland list is this kind of blueprint. And, you know, we've got these flex picks we can kind of switch around to. We can stay in touch and kind of talk about our findings and what this looks like, you know, and, and I really think this is a team that's underappreciated right now and it's like so new. So I think we just got to explore it in these early stages and see what happens. And hopefully listener, you enjoyed this and you explore this leadership with us and kind of figure out along the way, cause we're kind of stumbling through this.
1: Yeah. You know, a good place to discuss this would be uh, the discord.
0: That's true. And I'll probably be discussing my findings a lot in this with the discord. Like I did my convocation as I went along and it's super fun. It's super fun to do. So good point, Dylan.
1: You got mad good at it, so uh, you can guarantee what you're saying there's probably going to be useful.
0: I hope so. So I, uh, my biggest thing about this is I get to bring Bucky out, you know, and I get to make him a threat on the table and fun. I'm, I'm just super excited about that. I'm super excited about that. I'm super excited to get that Sebastian Sand scope on the on the table. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things here.
1: And obviously, uh, he's a character that probably gets the role maybe the most dice in the entire game. If you keep getting that ability off, if you keep getting, if you keep getting your ninjas killed on accident, <laughs> like if you
0: wrote down every time he got a four dice attack with a reroll and just wrote them out on paper, like by the end of the day, it's like how many, how many four dice attacks with, re, with rapid fire, with a reroll did you get off in the course of six rounds? You know, very cool. You know,
1: you're going to have to buy more dice cause you're going to wear them out so much.
0: Hey, good problems. Good. problems. <laughs> <laughs> Furious Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Furious Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Finest. Follow the show on social media. Find us on Twitter at Furious Finest Cast and Facebook and Instagram and Twitch at FuriesFinest. Finest. Email us at Finest at gmail.com with any inquiries or ideas. If you can leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice, it really helps us out. Thanks for approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music and help spread the word of our show by subscribing, rating, and reviewing and sharing this with your friends. So definitely. Dylan, where can everyone find you?
1: People can find me on Discord at Dr. Angry Bloodboy4340. Uh haven't anything more formal than that, but hopefully that'll change soon.
0: Sure. Yeah, and that's also a place people can message you entries for the painting contest. But on top of that, they can email us at furiousfinest at gmail.com. Very simple, furiousfinest at gmail.com with their entry pictures. And of course, keep make sure your names on the email and on the pictures. And uh, I can get those to Dylan as well. Anything else about the painting competition, Dylan, while we're here?
1: Just make sure you guys have fun. And just to reiterate, make sure one picture before, four pictures of the completed model. Don't share it on any major social media areas. Nice and simple.
0: Yeah, nice and simple clear, concise. And uh, of course you can always just send them directly to Dylan on discord, which is very simple and easy to do. And I will put his name in the, in the show notes as well, but closing out, you can find Chris and I on social media. You can find me Jesse on all the social media stuff at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Same with Chris. You can find him on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. That's it for this episode. We hope you guys enjoyed hearing about the Beast, hearing about the Shadowland Daredevil playstyle, leadership, the Shadow War, I guess, Dylan, is the way to call it, the Shadow War, learning about it.
1: The Shadow War never ends. All flesh must die.
0: Yeah, the hand is... They're always moving. I don't know. It's, it's been a fun time. I'm really excited about this list. I'm just as excited about this as I was convocation, if not more, because I think this has got a, its own unique challenges, maybe a little bit easier to start than convocation. But also like it's we we just talked about today, like the list building possibilities are kind of endless, you know, and uh, I think we're kind of in a unique spot where no one's cracked this. So I'm looking forward to figuring it out
1: being at the precipice of greatness uh, can always be scary. I mean, being able to use any <laughs> character that likes to hit other people. I mean, that's that alone is just exciting.
0: That's true. Yeah. Rolling more dice in MCP and re-rolling them is, is fun too. Yeah. it No, it's, it's really fun. Like it's, it's unique leadership. That's really rewarding if you play it right. And it is a lot of violence, but like we said, Dylan, I think
1: the objective game is strong. It, it's definitely there.
0: Yeah. You can learn without the violence. Totally. And when people take objectives from you, Now they're in trouble,
1: you know? Yeah, because now there's going to be some retribution. (laughs)
0: That's right. So we'll have Dylan back again in the future. But yeah, definitely you guys check out the painting contest. I'll put info below in the show notes. And also, of course, we're going to have our own dedicated channel in the Furious Fighters Discord, which will be fun because it can't have any pictures in there (laughs) because people will do that. But, you know, we're just going to have a channel in there to keep rules and stuff for the painting contest clear in there as well. And we'll let Dylan post some rules and stuff in there. So, but until next time, Thanks for listening. True believers.
1: Keep it popping, guys. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong.